You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. How are you, Bruce? Uh, healthy alive, as usual. Yeah. Uh. That's good. That is good. That is good. You know, I got... Uh, a comment back from a listener just a little bit ago and said, we need to get shirts made up that say healthy and alive. Not only would that correspond with just your saying every day, but that would also correspond with, well, this time in history, wouldn't it? It's a good thing you're healthy and alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the point where if you're, if you don't have your health about you and you're not alive, then what do you have? Uh, an extremely rare side effect. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, where, where would you like to begin today? Uh, this wonderful dystopian uh, world. Um, okay. <sighs> wonderful dystopian world. Well, let's, uh, I guess, let's just, let's begin with uh, with what's happening here. Uh, Germany and Austria are, well, they're seeing surging cases of COVID. Uh, it's just, it, it's it's insane. The amount of cases that have just, well, they've sprang up overnight. Uh, and nobody knows where they came from. Uh, Austria has locked down the unvaccinated. And today they saw the highest cases that they've seen to date. Well, how, how's that? You locked down all the unvaccinated people. Th- th- yeah, that that's means not possible. But by, by by logic decree, which we're not following by logic decree, right. that would tell you that the only people you have in society are vaccinated people. Therefore, that's where your cases are coming from by decree. I mean, that's that's what but, common sense would tell you. But but the vaccine is safe and effective. So it well, no, can't it's just be that. No, it's it, no, well, it's safe. It, it's safe. But. I don't think it's effective. You notice in Australia, they've removed the word effective. <laughs> now they're just saying yeah, safe. Yeah, they're not saying that. Yeah, they're just saying safe now. They're not saying effective. So there was a, there was a literal eight-line hit piece out of the Associated Press today. I'm going to read it here in just a second. But you know, I'm on the ground over here. So I've I've been able to hear a lot of the TV ads and the radio ads and everything else. I mean, my God, you are inundated with Corona garbage everywhere you go, everywhere you go. It is everywhere. It is on the radio. It is on every station on the radio. It is unless you can find some classical AM station somewhere, you know, the ones that nobody listens to. Uh, if you can find that, which I kind of like those, by the way, because no one listens to them and it's it's quiet over there. But anyway, it's nice when you're driving down the road. But you hear COVID ads of, uh, and Corona stuff all over the, uh, the, the the radio networks. It is inundated with all the radio because everything here is just it, it's all propaganda. It's the same thing with uh, all the, um, uh, the like the native podcasts over here. They're all propaganda. They, they are all propaganda because most of them are run by the mainstream media networks. So it's like the, the ones in the U.S., you know, the, like, for example, you've got the New York Times, you've got the Washington Post and, and you know, all, all the all the alphabet networks. They've all got podcasts. Well, they're all paid for by the networks. But you also have a lot of independent people as well. Over here, it's not like that. You've got a few people that are doing the podcasts. I mean, not very many, but most of them are mainstream media outlets. So what kind of advertising and what kind of messages do you think you get on a lot of those things? This is why we actually have a large listener base outside of the United States, because a lot of the podcasts in these foreign countries are run by the mainstream media. No one actually does the um, uh, the independent stuff. Okay, fine. All right. But that's okay. But that's the kind of message you get. On the TV, you're getting nothing but COVID stuff. I've been hearing ads... Because when you listen to podcasts on certain podcast platforms, sometimes you get ads pushed to you. I understand that. Well, I listen to some podcasts on on other, on different platforms, varying platforms, and sometimes the the content creator will put ads in there, and you have to listen to the ads. Well, the ads that I get are uh, German ads that come across, and they say seventy five million people have already taken the COVID vaccine. Have you gotten yours? Talk to your local doctor, talk to your local GP, talk to your doctor and see what's right for you and schedule your appointment. Do what you can do for your family and for yourself. We need to keep our communities safe. You know, the usual propaganda stuff you hear because it's usually brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. But that's the ads that I've been hearing. And then of course, uh, Austria, they say, oh, we've only got 2 million citizens that are unvaccinated. Uh Uh-huh. 
Okay. I said a few days ago, I said, I bet the numbers in these countries, a lot of these countries, are a third, maybe less. Maybe less. I think those numbers, again, I think they hit a wall because you started seeing the rollouts back in, uh, what was it, March? Earlier this year, March, and then uh, April, May, June, July. Okay, fine. You got everybody scheduled and everything. Okay, everybody got in there. All the fools got in there and got theirs. About mid-July is when it stopped. And then shortly after that, what happened? You started getting financial incentives, food incentives, scholarship incentives, savings bond incentives, cash incentives, all over the place, lottery incentives, whatever, you know, all that stuff. Then you started to see vaccine passports go in, didn't you? Right after that, that was another way to coerce people. You see, the ones that were lining up for it at first, well, you didn't have to worry about putting all that stuff in right away, did you? No, you didn't have to worry about that because you had those numbers rolling in. You wanted to see how well they were going to do. And then voila, the fools stopped showing up. Oh, you might have gotten a few people. Yeah, you might have gotten a few people in there after that. Oh, yeah, well, I can't go anywhere. Okay, I'll just do whatever I need to do to get out of the way and make sure that I can go on with my life and I'm not going to worry about it. Okay, yeah, you got a few more people doing that. But now the numbers have seriously hit a wall. Germans and Austrians, now mind you, they've locked down their populations here. Germans and Austrians line up for shots as COVID cases soar across Europe. This is the headline from yesterday out of the AP. Why is that a headline? And I'm, I'm saying, why is that a headline? When you've got 75 million or 78 million, whatever the hell they said, 75 million people where I'm at that have already been double jabbed, according to the ads that you see, if you've got those kind of numbers, well then... This is a country of 82 million people. So wh- why are you worried about those last few million? Why-, why are you worried about that? If that's the case, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Same thing in Austria. You've only got 2 million people that are unvaccinated. Okay. Well, if, if that's the case, then wh- why are you putting out headlines like this? There's an eight li- It's an eight line article. It's, an eight- it's a hit piece. That's all it is. Eight lines. No photos, no nothing. Just eight lines. Listen to this. Germans and Austrians are rushing to get vaccinated against the coronavirus as infections soar across Europe and governments impose restrictions on the unvaccinated. Figures showed on Wednesday. Germany and Austria have among, listen very carefully, Germany and Austria have among the lowest of vaccination in Western Europe and are now the epicenter of a new wave of the pandemic as winter grips the continent. Wait a minute. Germany and Austria have among the lowest vaccination in Western yeah. Europe? Um, based on the numbers you just gave me, that's 90 uh, That's ninety percent vaccination rate in Germany. Which is, ex- it, which is it, what? the number you just gave. Exactly. Which is what the Irish woman said yesterday, right? We've got 93% of our population that has been vaccinated. And wait a minute, they're they're locking down the unvaccinated? You're locking down 7% of your population? Something's not right here. Something's not right. You see, I think the numbers are, as I said, I think the numbers, again, hit a wall. And now they don't know what to do. Their ass is flapping in the breeze here. They are exposed. They've pushed too far, too fast, and now they don't know what to do. So they're panicking. As I said yesterday, they're panicking. They're in, a, they're in a lot of trouble. So it makes sense for them to be doubling down and start locking down people because they're just pushing more fear. That's all they're doing. And of course, you've got the usual uh, the, the usual morons in these, politi- these, these political offices coming out today saying, we're going to take drastic measures that we've never taken before. And, and the unvaccinated are going to be canceled from society, blah, blah, blah. That sounds like pure Politburo communist propaganda coming out of Beijing, China. That's what that sounds like to me. Go ahead. They're going to try things they haven't tried before. The only thing they didn't try doing was kicking in your door to make sure you were vaccinated or, or uh, you know, you didn't have anyone uh-huh. there that you shouldn't have uh-huh. by their standard. Uh-huh. That's the only thing they didn't try. So uh-huh. is that next on their agenda? Is they're going to start kicking people's doors in to make sure you're vaccinated? I think that's going to be, well, you know something, I, I, I venture to say that they're going to have issues with that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because we haven't really discussed it much, but there is a revolt going on here within the police. Do you remember they tried to vaccinate the police very early on and the cops said, uh, you do that, we're going to walk. So I think that we're, they're walking a very tight line with the police here. The police are already saying, what are we doing? You know, what, what, what are we doing? We're literally following back down the same path that we were in once before. Why are we doing this? And so now I think they're going to try and dump it off onto the military. Now, is that to say that they're going to go along with it? I don't know. I don't know. Are they mandating 
things over here for for military and for police officers? I don't think so. Now, here's the here's the really funny thing. And this is this is why this is so comedic. When I say it's comedic, if it wasn't so damn serious, it's comedic because listen to me very carefully. The people that are pushing this, the ones that are shoving this rhetoric in your face, the ones that are cutting you off from society and restricting your day to day access to what you consider to be a normal life. They are unvaccinated. Let me repeat that. They are unvaccinated. Let me explain. I think the lower level ones, I think a lot of them have bought into it. When I say lower levels, I'm talking about local politicians, state politicians, regional politicians, whatever. Okay, governors, whatever you have. I think a lot of them have bought into it. So they felt like they went along with the propaganda. They went along with the message. The national level politicians, they're not taking this. Let me explain. Now, I'm not sure that this is the same in all places, but I don't doubt it. The reason I don't doubt it is because there is a reason that they are pushing this so hard. Austria, uh, there was a member of parliament there yesterday who voted. uh, She's a member of the uh, OVP party that is responsible for the unvaccinated lockdown. Yeah, the the ones that say, oh, we're going to have to lock down on the unvaccinated people. Yeah, Uh, Eva Maria Himmelbauer. Well, what was she doing while she was voting on the, uh, the lockdown for the unvaccinated people? She was literally... And there's video of this up on our Telegram page. She is literally making herself a vaccine passport at her desk in Parliament. She's on video doing this. I know what a vaccine card looks like over here. They're the same in all European nations. I know exactly what she's doing. She's making herself a vaccine passport while she's sitting there. Bruce, you saw it. Yeah, and uh, my question was, why is she doing that in the middle of Parliament? When she, you know, uh, could be doing it in the the office or in her car or something, which means because she wasn't hiding it, it means a lot of the parliamentarians are doing the same thing. They're all doing the same thing. Exactly. She's doing this out in the open. She's not even trying to conceal it. As you said, she's doing this out in the open. And her colleagues that are sitting next to her, the two colleagues sitting next to her with these stupid plastic dividers up, the ones that are sitting next to her, they're just going about their business. They're typing, they're talking on the phone, they're texting and they're talking to each other or whatever. They don't care. Why? Because they're all doing it. That's why. Yeah. And they're they're crammed in to close together, closer than I was back in school. Like, you know, how you had your desks oriented. They're crammed closer together than that, what you would sit in schools. And she's not concerned that the the her fellow parliamentarian next to her isn't watching or someone else isn't watching or the, one of the cameras sees it. It doesn't even care. Just just does no. it. Out the then open. she stuffs it in her purse and then she she goes about her business when she's done with it. It's disgusting. That's who we're dealing with. Again, they are not jabbed. The president of Egypt, he got his jab the other day. You saw the photos of him getting his jab. Yeah, you saw that. There's a little bit of a problem with it, though. They didn't have a syringe. The doctor or the person administering, whoever it was, didn't have a syringe. The camera was just at the right angle to where it didn't catch it until the other camera panned around and showed that there was no syringe. They were just going through the motions. You see, they're not taking it. There's a reason they're not taking it. I would venture to say it's the same reason that Pfizer has come out and petitioned the national courts to say, yeah, uh, we don't want to release our vaccine data until the year 2076. Why is that? What, why is it that you, why is it you don't want to release your vaccine data until 2076? Is that because you would face massive lawsuits? And I, don't give me this liability protection garbage. There is no way that you would be able to shield yourself from crimes against humanity at that point when you get all the good and plenty out of this out of this uh, this data. I would love to see what's in that data. You know, I, I often wonder. The Pfizer CEO, do you know why he's not taking it, Bruce? Do you know why he's not taking the vaccine? Do you know why he's not doing that? Um, no, actually, okay. I, I wouldn't because he's, he's of an older age group. He is. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's not taking it. And he's, he said this publicly. He's not taking it because he wants to see everybody else get the chance first. See, he doesn't want to cut in front of anybody ah, else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. You see how much he cares. He, he doesn't want to cut in front of anybody else. You know. I made the uh, I made the argument yesterday that these people are losing. Let me explain. The final days of the Nazis, which was the ruling whatever uh, group of thugs and psychopaths and lunatics and gangsters and all the rest of it uh, on the continent of Europe uh, around the uh, 30s and 40s. What were they doing in their final days while Rome was burning, so to speak, because that's what Hitler wanted to do. He wanted to recreate 
Rome, but in Germany, in a German view, not in an Italian view. That's what he wanted to do. With his architect, Albert Speer, that's what he wanted to, to recreate, was that. He wanted to do the Thousand Year Reich. That's, that's what he wanted. But what were they doing? When they were losing, what was happening? They were in that bunker in Berlin, weren't they? They were all down there, all the people that were following them, all the groupies, all the uh, uh, the diehards, the uh, the ones that that said, uh, we don't want to, Goebbels' wife actually said this, I don't want to live in a world without National Socialism. Imagine the fanaticism of that. Imagine that. That that's just that's that's mentally sick. They were partying. They were having lavish dinners and and eating uh, uh you know the finest foods and drinking the finest uh, alcohols and and playing music and having dances and throwing stuff all over the place and and having big parties and giving awards to each other that meant nothing. What's happening now? What is happening right now with this very same class of people? They're up there in their gowns and their their tuxedos and and whatever. They're giving fake awards to each other. Don't tell me that Von Deleyen giving uh, giving an award to the Pfizer CEO last week was any different. And her announcing some initiative with Bill Gates with a billion euros last week at the COP26. COP26, they're having pointless, ridiculous conferences and meetings and televised everywhere like they are the new royalty. They are nothing. They are losing. While Rome is burning, look out in the streets of Europe. Look in the streets of Australia. Look in the streets of New Zealand. Look in the streets of the UK, of the United States, and in Canada. The armies are at that door. They're closing in on all sides. So what are they doing? They're partying. They're having lavish dinners. They're drinking expensive alcohols and throwing it all over the place and laughing about it, saying, oh, no, none of that's actually happening. We're winning. We're winning. No, son, you're losing. That's where they are. Bill Gates has given $319 million to media outlets. The first thing that Bruce said when he saw that article was, is that all? <laughs> is, that, is that all he gave? I wonder they're hurting. Yeah. Well, see, he didn't do it. Yeah, right. He, he didn't do it uh, through just his own foundation. He fronted that through 30,000 different grants in the company's database. So he created 30,000 different grant funds to run that money through to distribute to the uh, uh, to the uh, to the mainstream media outlets. This is why you're getting all of this information that I was talking about earlier. This is why you're getting everything skewed in one direction when it comes to podcasting, when it comes mainstream podcasting, when it comes to mainstream podcasting, when it comes to mainstream media, when it comes to the radio stuff, when it comes to the newspapers, when it comes to the education and the schooling. All of this is the same thing. Do you know, we have something called an anti-monopoly bill. It's called the Sherman Antitrust Act. Theodore Roosevelt ran on that when he ran his presidential campaign bust the trust. What was the point of that? The point of that legislation was to stop companies from becoming so large that they were actually working their way into other things, other aspects of life and business that were affecting how people live their lives. The robber barons, the railroad barons, what railroad barons, whatever you want to call them. That's where we get the term baron. Yeah, yeah barons. Yeah, the, the money makers. That's what they would do. Guys like Rockefeller, guys like J.P. Morgan, and I'm, I'm not talking about David. He was bad enough. John D., his father. Do you know how those two made their fortune? John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan, you know how they made their fortune? They bought up junk bonds and junk securities, energy companies, utility companies, and things like that. They sold the junk bonds off to the companies that they knew were going to go bankrupt, and they made their fortune. And we're still dealing with those same people today. Now, why did we create the Sherman Antitrust Act in America, which is the anti-monopoly bill, whatever you want to call it, does the same thing? Why did we create that? And it's still on the books today, I might add. Why did we create that? It was to stop companies from becoming too large. All of these organizations, like the Rockefellers, uh, the J.P. Morgans, and, and, and all these other uh, organizations back then, all the oil companies, right? For example, Rockefeller, Standard Oil, that was Rockefeller. What was happening with the oil companies, big tobacco companies? What were they doing? They were buying up everything. They were buying up. They were buying up radio stations. They were buying up newspapers. They were buying up telegraph lines. They were buying up utility companies. They were buying up hospitals. They were buying up education. They were buying up farmland. Any of this sound familiar? It was to stop people like that from becoming too large 
and interfering in people's day-to-day -day lives. These people are no different. This is why I've been arguing for many years about busting up big tech companies. What is Google not involved in? What is Google not involved in? What is Bill Gates and his uh, his tentacles of, every, of everything that he's in? What is he not involved in? It, it's not a matter of what he's involved in. What is he not involved in? As nearest I can tell, he's involved in just about everything that's going on right now. And I'm not talking about him personally pushing it. I'm talking about his organizations. He's diversified himself very well, I have to say. But what is he not involved in? Same thing with George Soros. What is he not involved in? How is this any different from a monopoly organization? These foundations, these tax-exempt foundations, these NGOs, how is this any different? So Bill Gates gave uh, $24 million to NPR, which, hell, they get, 40, they get $400 million every year from the government anyway. Why is he giving them 24 and a half? Uh, the Guardian, which make perfect sense. That's why you see this out of The Guardian. The Guardian got $13 million. Uh, Cascade Public Media got $10 million. Public Radio International, which we're actually on that, which is funny. Uh, we're, we're actually on that platform. They got $7.7 million. The, conver uh, the Conversation got $6.6 .6 million. Univision, isn't that the, the Hispanic network? Univision? Uh, I'd have to look. Univision, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Uh, Der Spiegel in Germany, that's a big German publication. No surprise there. They got five million. Uh, that's Univision got six million. Project Syndicate got five million. Education Week, five million. NBC Universal got 4.3 million. National Media Group in Kenya got four million. Le Monde in France got four million. Bacasiza got 3.9 million. That's in South Africa. And then, of course, many, many other networks BBC, CNN. Population Communications International, Daily Telegraph, uh, The Education Post. My God, this goes on and on. The Financial Times, they are heavily enhanced by the CCP. Corporation for Public Broadcasting, Texas Tribune, The Atlantic, Minnesota Public Radio, Al Jazeera, ProPublica. My God. PBS, Gannett, Gannett, that's the, uh, that's the USA Today outfit. Uh, the Mail and the Guardian in South Africa, Insider Higher Education, uh, Inside Higher Education, Independent Television Broadcasting, Independent Television Service, National Journal, uh, and you know what, New York Public Radio, and the list goes on and on and on. This is, this is where the money's going. This. This is where it's going. Uh, and you've got, all, you've got other outlets all across the Western world uh, as well, uh, in countries uh, like Spain, in Germany, in France, uh, in Italy. He's buying up all of these organizations so they tailor his message. This is exactly what George Soros does. Exactly. George Soros will do exactly this. How does George Soros do what he does? George Soros will go into a country very articulately. He will do this. He'll go in and he'll start very small. He'll do something as simple as buying up a single radio station. That's what George Soros will do. But he won't do it personally. He never does anything personally. He runs everything through his Open Societies Foundation and runs it through another front group or another front group on top of another front group. Right now, these migrant caravans we're seeing on the U.S. southern border and in Eastern Europe are directly linked to his organizations in one way or another. He's working the southern border thing specifically through his tax-exempt foundation, Open Society Foundation, who are running different legs in each one of the South American countries, creating a corridor going all the way north. And he's working a deal within those organizations with MasterCard and the United Nations to pay them $1,200 per leg. I bet you it's the same exact thing here in Europe because they're getting out of taxi cabs at the border with new clothes and new iPhones and food and water and all the rest of it. I'll bet you they're getting exactly the same treatment. But that's what Soros will do. He will go into a country, he'll buy up a radio station. Once that radio station is bought up, he will then change out everybody that's in it and they will re be replaced with people that will carry that message that he wants. And then once that's done, then he'll spread out. He'll move to a newspaper somewhere that will get on board with that radio station. Then he'll move to I don't know, education curriculums, and then on over to a television station and so on and so forth. That's how they do it. So is he putting out ads or something? Is it, how how do they uh, effectively hire all of those people? Is it just through the radio station and, you know, putting I would out assume, the call? I would assume it would be that as well as uh, if they are if they're involved, they'll set up an entire network. So if, if they if they have uh, something where they set up uh, for example, they'll they'll set up a foundation. First thing he'll do is he'll have his foundation go over there and get it get an office set up. And then what he'll do, he'll probably have that staffed by people in the foundation. And then or or he'll bring people in that will that will have that run by the, the foundation people. But once they get branched out, once he's 
involved in, say, like an education curriculum somewhere and they can change. This takes a lot of time. But once they change the education curriculum somewhere and you get a generation or, or a subset of students that actually buy into that stuff, then you can bring them on to other groups like that. So you can get them into public broadcasting or journalism or, or whatever, or activist, uh, whatever it is that they do. Uh, and then you end up with civil society 2.0, which is exactly what he's done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, the reason I was asking the question about uh, how does he how does he how does he get the call out for all these people to to uh, try to, uh, you know, go through the border at the same time, um, because you would think oh, the border. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the I thought you meant the, uh, the the radio stations and things that he does to subvert a country. Sorry. sorry. I, I, the border. The border is different. Uh, the, the border is different. They will they will put out advertisements in these countries through the organizations that he set up already to the local population saying, hey, do you want a better life? Do you want to get away from the oppression that's being caused here? Do you want to do you want to have everything free? Do you want to have a social system that gives you all the uh, the things that you deserve in life? Well, then this is where you need to go and we'll pay you to go there. So he'll work the scam with MasterCard and the United Nations, the UN replacement migration program. It's all public. So uh, why haven't the governments uh resisted this or pointed this out or, um, you know, froze the funds of Soros or whatever in their own country. Like, because there's evidence now, like a trail, if you will, why would they not? You get what I'm saying? Like, it, I it, do. It, he's leaving a paper trail. Why yeah. Why wouldn't they, they target him over this? Well, I think that you're kind of asking a question that can't be answered. And the reason I say that is because we already know from the paper trail about COVID. Why aren't they doing anything about that? So why would they do anything about Soros? You see, everything would change, right? There wouldn't be business well, as usual. Yeah, the the part of the problem is is many of the the politicians in place have been trained by Soros organizations, exactly. or they have the same agenda exactly. as Soros. Yeah. Viktor Orban, the Ukrainian, or excuse me, the Ukraine, the Hungarian prime minister. He's an interesting character, and the reason I say he's an interesting character is because he was paid for by George Soros. And when I say he was paid for, he was brought up in the Soros education system. Soros personally paid for his education through his foundations. And then, of course, once he was brought up, as you said, was already brought up in the system that they control. And of course, Viktor Orban is now flipped. He's outlawed George Soros and all of his foundations from his native Hungary. Now, Rockefeller, what they'll do, and this is interesting, when you start reading about uh, how Rockefeller, like David Rockefeller, how they would do this, they would take time out of their schedules and they would go to universities. They would visit various universities and they would pick out people that they thought were, um, shall we say, um, sympathetic to what they wanted to do. And they would say, hey, we're happy to uh, to help you with uh, with your education expenses. We're happy to, to do that. Of course, what they mean is they'll pay for the rest of their college. And they'll make sure that they have a nice, cushy job lined up when they get out. They'll meet the right people. They'll meet the right women. You know, they'll have a nice family and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, that kind of stuff. They'll have a very promising career as long as they do what they're told, as long as they do what's expected of them. And that's who we end up with, not just in politics, but also in business. These are the people that are brought up in the system. This is the system that they have created since the end of the war. The end of that system is now here. They've screwed the financial system. They can't go any further with it. This is why the economy is just, as you said yesterday, it's ticking time bomb. It's a wreck. There's nothing they can do to fix it. I mean, it's it, it's finished. The paper system's finished. The financial establishment thought that they could continue to play the paper game and cryptocurrencies would just be, oh yeah, just let those... Let those people on the internet have their little whatever it is that they've created over there. Those those won't become anything. Well, it actually overtook them, and now they don't know what to do. So yeah, this is a this is a vicious cycle. This is a system that they've created. They'll recruit people uh, out of college, and then they'll get them to do their bidding all the way through their lives or, or whatever to to work on their project. And of course, their project, in David Rockefeller's own words, was world government. That was their project. That's what it was. And of course, they've got everybody in the media on board with it. You know what? I had a clip the other day that I was listening to of Rockefeller saying, we would like to thank all of our esteemed colleagues in the media for keeping us uh, keeping our secret for 40 years. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do this. If the people of the world knew what we were doing, they'd revolt and they'd come after us. Well, son, even though you're gone now, we already know what you're doing. The people are wise to what you're doing. And we're not looking at politicians. Oh, don't you worry. Those people are going to pay for this. We're not looking to politicians this time. Not this time in history. Zbigniew Brzezinski was right about one thing. Well, he was right about a couple of things. One, he said, it's easier to kill a million people than it is to convince a million people. That he was right about. 
At the same time, he also said, for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awake. And they're not staring at the politicians any longer. They're staring at us, meaning the elites. That's what we're actually looking at. I'm not looking at the politicians. Those people are on self-destruct. They're going to get thrown overboard anyway. I'm not looking at them. They'll be dealt with as sure as the sun sets tonight. I'm not looking at politicians. I'm looking at the banking establishments. I'm looking at the tax-exempt foundations. And I'm not talking about churches. Although there's plenty of arguments to be made about what's happening at the Vatican with the Catholic Church. Man, I feel sorry for the average Catholic, to be honest with you. You'd have to deal with that. But that's a side issue. The tax-exempt foundations, the NGOs, the hedge funds. That's who I'm looking at. That's who we're looking at. I'm looking at the United Nations. I'm looking at the World Economic Forum. I'm looking at the Chinese Communist Party. That's what I'm looking at. By the way, that's who's been bankrolled by all of these aforementioned. The Chinese couldn't have done that on their own with a communist system. The communist system would collapse within its own weight within, what, five years, if it's lucky? Five years? I told you about the new economic policy, didn't I? The NEP out of the Soviet Union. What did you think was going to happen with Lenin and his group of thugs down there when they had their uh, their little uh, their little Bolshevik revolution. What did you think was going to happen after a few years? People started starving. The poor Russian people started starving. So what did Lenin do? Oh, we're going to have to implement um, temporary capitalism <laughs> in order to save the system. It's a it's a farce in and of itself to think that that system can produce. It's a farce to think that Marxism can produce. It can't. It destroys. Uh, speaking of. And I'd seen an article that was talking about Venezuela is uh, dabbling in doing uh, capitalism again. Oh, really? Gee, I wonder why. They were looking at uh, opening up some some capitalist businesses to try to uh, alleviate problems they have there. Uh-huh. Gee, I wonder. Uh, could it be the fact that, oh, I don't know, uh, inflation is out of control? Uh, of course, they, they fixed that, I think. They took all the zeros off of the, uh, the end of their currency. So I think they, they just they fixed that. So um, that was done. So the I think the average Venezuelan is down what like twenty five pounds on average. So I think that yeah people yeah, are starving. That, yeah. So I mean well, it, it would I, make sense. They ate all their cats and dogs and, and all the zoo animals a few years ago. So uh, let me guess. Uh, maybe we should try some capitalism. Uh, yeah, you had it before before you allowed the socialist revolution to take hold of the country. You had it before, and how was it? Look at look at Venezuela. Go back and find, I'm serious, go on YouTube, go back and find some Venezuelan tourist videos. And I know it's it's scripted and all that stuff, but you get the idea. Look at some Venezuelan tourist videos back in the 50s and 60s. And then look at Venezuela today. Look at Caracas today and tell me which one was more favorable. The Marxists didn't come to power down there until, well, it was they were in there before, but it was really heavy when Hugo Chavez was elected. And then, of course, it rolled past that. And quite frankly, I think that Gaeta was actually elected. Juan Gaeta was actually elected. But then Maduro said, no, he wasn't. I was. And that's that's how he's still able to stay in power down there. He said, no, I'm, no it, it doesn't matter if, if it shows that Gaeta won. He didn't win. I did. And then that was the end of it. Well, I mean, if you control the military. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do in the US now, right? Well, no, he Trump didn't win. I, Biden did. I mean, that's, that's what we do now. So, well, we we do uh, we do reinforcement of the uh, the elections. You know, oh, we reinforce it. Oh, we, yeah. we reinforce the. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's so ter- mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's terrible of me to say to somebody that's you know the most popular president in U.S. history. It's ter- terrible of me to say. Exactly. Terrible thing for me to say. Okay, um, moving right along here. Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She was spotted massive. There's a lot of articles floating around, floating around out there. I want to clear this up. I, I want to make this clear because it's a lot of clickbait and it's not what it seems. There's a lot of articles out there floating around that Nancy Pelosi was spotted at a swingers bar. That's not true. Let me be very clear. But believe me, if Nancy Pelosi was at an actual swingers bar, believe me, I'd be the first person to tell you. That's not what it is. There is a bar in D.C. called Swingers. It's a mini golf club. That's what it is. And it's a bar. The bar's name is Swingers. It's not a Swingers bar. The bar is named Swingers. The article that is floating, the the headlines that are floating around everywhere is uh, Pelosi was seen at a Swingers bar. No, she was at a bar named Swingers. And everybody's, you know, the, the comments are just rolling in saying, I can't unsee this and doesn't surprise me. And and I just threw up. <laughs> you know, it's like the the uh, the comments are just there now. So that's what everybody thinks. This is the article uh, out of the Daily Caller. They say this headline, Pelosi reportedly seen. 
seen maskless at Swingers Bar with Representative Yvette Clark breaking a mask mandate. She is not at a Swingers Bar. She's at a bar that is named Swingers. It's a big club there in D.C. Uh, we actually went on their website. They look like they have a pretty good place. I mean, it looks looks pretty nice. Uh, fair prices, and it's too, for D.C. priced. Yeah. yeah. For D.C.? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, you would expect, with all those people making all those millions, you would ex- up on the hill, you would expect that them and their staffers, they'd be paying top dollar. They could probably charge three, four times as amount as much money in there. But they're not. Pretty decent prices. So basically what we're saying is if you're going to dump on uh, Pelosi for, for doing something, get your facts straight. I mean, this is an actual, like, you know, uh, mini golf yeah. bar or whatever you want. It, it, so, yeah, it's kind of like a little fact checking, I guess. The, the, this this bit because we we've seen it and we're kind of like okay wait that is actual if she was at a swingers bar that's actual news like i don't want to know it but you know at the same time that's kind of a thing we could yeah. rip her for that well you could because dc is a it's a sideshow freak show anyway so i mean it does it wouldn't surprise me it really wouldn't surprise me i mean katie hill you remember that one yeah it it would kind of surprise me because she can't keep her teeth in, but uh, you know that's I don't true. Know. And she is she is a drinker. Yeah, she Pelosi. She is yeah. she is a drinker. Well, true. Uh, somebody got somebody got sentenced to some jail time for stealing some beers out of her office. Why you even have beers in the office to begin with? I mean, if you were caught with beers in the office, if you worked like a corporate job or something like that, uh, you would you would be in trouble. Uh, whereas if you're you know in a in a higher position in our government that's fine it's okay it's no no biggie i mean what okay more to the point here um why does the speaker of the house uh, why why does why does madam pelosi why does she have beer third in in command yeah third in in line for the presidency which i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. that really third in line really he could take some questions if if nance wanted him to third in line she's going around meeting with the pope and mario draghi in italy and then biden shows up two weeks later third in line Really? Why does she? Okay, back to the point. Why does she have beers in her office? Why does the Speaker of the House have beer in their office? Now, if this was, as we were talking privately last week, if this was like the 1950s or the 1960s or something, I, I wouldn't even be able to see beer in an office back then. I could see glasses of whiskey. You know, a, a yeah. little a little bar scotch, of uh, like a whiskey, whiskey bar, scotch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's how you would do things. It was just it was for the time. Right. I, and I'm sure a lot of congressmen and, and, and um, uh, senators smoked in their offices, too, back then. Yeah. Cigar, People, cigarette, something. Sure. Yeah. Sure. If that's uh, back in the 50s and 60s, that's what it would be. Hey, you're from the you're from my district. Come on to my office. All right. Let's sit down. Let's talk. And two gentlemen would sit down with a cigar and a glass of whiskey. And they would talk. You traveled all that way to D.C. because you had something that was wrong in your district that they are voted to represent. So let's talk. And that's how two gentlemen would sit down and would discuss things. Even uh, the war room uh, photos we've seen uh, from like the 50s, you see them all sitting around uh, the table and they all you, you see the ashtray with the cigarette smoke coming off of it. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. You, so, you know, it, it, that was a normal thing back then. So we wouldn't have bat an eye back then. But now it's unacceptable. You know, it, it, the times have changed. So we're, we're not supposed to be doing that any longer. Uh, so anyway, so she was uh, it, it, either way. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, either way, she was caught maskless. Uh, the big the bigger issue here was she was caught maskless. She was breaking the D.C. guidelines uh, they had of a mask mandate or something. But of course, you know what the problem is here, don't you, Bruce? She's the victim. That's what the problem yeah. is here. She's the victim. Somebody caught her when she wasn't at her best and and really they violated her privacy is is what happened well yeah they set her up yeah yeah and uh, she's she owed an apology yeah. she is owed an apology yeah. for this, whoever took this photo yeah with uh you you mentioned biden there and not actually running uh-huh. things if you will i honestly uh, man seriously could you could you just taking taking the president thing out of it all right take taking that aside do you honestly think that with his mental capacity that he's qualified to be anything other than well i, I can't even say this he's not qualified to run a, an, an elementary school as a principal as far as well now maybe that's a bad example with him sniffing kids that's probably a bad example but well he, actually no that that is a good example because even if he had um uh, even if he was mentally there I still wouldn't have him a principal of a school because then he would go around smelling kids' yeah, that, yeah, hair. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. He's, okay, so my point is, is he doesn't have the cognitive ability to be in any kind of administrative position at all. 
Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I don't know that he would even be acceptable in a mailroom. No. But I, I don't I don't think there's like he's he's at the age to where he sits around in his rocking chair and uh, the family sees him, you know, grandkids, all that. And he says the crazy things that he says. And you're just OK, grandpa or great grandpa or whatever. And uh, you go on with life. I mean, he's, he he's, he's at the retirement age. Yeah. And he gets and a, bowl, he of a bowl of ice cream. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean and to he tells you he, he tells one of the stories that he made up. You know, about him being a truck driver or, or oh, yeah, Jill being a in a house that burned down or, uh, I didn't hear that. you know, those kind of things. Yeah, he said recently he had to, he had to uh, uh, correct his, uh, you know, clarify what he was meaning. But uh, the story basically was that Jill was in the house when it burned down. Oh, for um, Yeah. Um, I didn't hear the clarification on that one. I just seen the, the bit about that. And I'm just kind of like. I'm not surprised. I didn't look into it because it, it's I'm not, not surprising. Either. He said yeah, I'm not weird. Uh, anyway, um, all of that, I was just going to throw in that uh, his approval rating right now is uh, 36%. Uh, Republicans give him a, a whopping 4%, which I want to know that 4%. Like, who the hell is thinking that Biden is doing a good job? Um, uh, I believe the question was, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? I'm, I'm not sure, like, Maybe if 4% of the Republicans are like uh, anarcho-capitalists and they're going, yeah, he's doing a great job because it's awakening people. Uh, maybe maybe that's the 4%, but like, <laughs> but what, 87% of Democrats still approve. Who did this poll? Uh, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Okay. Um, you know what? They're not the only ones. This was Stephanopoulos. This is th- about 30 seconds long. This is Stephanopoulos uh, last week. Even ABC is kicking his teeth in. Listen to this. We're coming on the air this morning with a brand new poll, and it's brutal for President Biden. His approval rating has hit a new low. Only 41% of Americans think he's doing a good job in office. 53% disapprove. 70% believe the economy is in bad shape. And with inflation at a three-decade high, only 39% approve of Biden's handling of the economy. Looking ahead to the midterm elections, Republicans have a 10-point lead among registered voters, their largest lead ever in the 40-year history of our poll. So see, it's not just... It's not just them. It looks like they're, you know, he's he's tanking all over the place. So what is it Uh, now? They could 25th him if that's what they're teeing him up for. They could 25th him under mental incapacity or whatever. Have him removed. But doesn't matter. They've got worse. They've yeah, she's worse. She's polling at like 20 percent. And that's at the high end. That's like a CNN poll or something. Yeah. So it gets even worse. uh though. when in the in the Quinnipiac poll. If you include the, do you strongly approve? Do you approve somewhat, or do you disapprove somewhat, or disapprove strongly? If you look at it that way, uh, the appro- approval rating is thirty-five uh, percent, and uh, so it's it's a little bit lower doing it that way. If you go with that, and the disapproval rating is uh, what is it, um, fifty uh, fifty-two three percent, and a twelve percent don't know. You know, yeah. So it, there's, it, yeah. Okay, so let's have this conversation because I don't know how this would work. This is, I don't know if this is just a. I think this is just a rumor at the moment, but this is circulating. I'm, I'm seeing this in in a couple of different places. There's, uh, there's talk on the Hill right now about the mechanics of a confirmation hearing to fill a VP vacancy. So what, what is, what does that mean? Are they going to pull both of them and then try and how, how are they going to? They have to leave him in place. They have to pull her and then put somebody else. How, how does that even work? So if there's a VP vacancy, that would just mean they pull the president and the VP would move to president. No, and then there would be no. a vacancy left. OK, but no, 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 no. They're talking. But this is in reference to uh, Kamala, because yeah. uh, supposedly there's 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 two camps at 1600. There's two camps in there. You got the Biden camp, you got the Harris camp, and they don't like each other, supposedly. Uh, that's I hear Jack Posobiec talking about all, that all the time, and he's got people inside there, so he knows what's going on. And he's been accurate on information before, so I trust the source. If you follow his Twitter feed or his uh, his Telegram page, you can follow all that, that juicy gossip. <laughs> he puts it out every day, and he's not ashamed of it. But 
if that's the case, then the Biden people could be trying to uh, you got to understand how this backstab and cloak and dagger stuff works when you get to that level. The Biden people could be trying to pull the, the Harris people and the Harris people are trying to, to stab the Biden people and get them out of the way. But either way, they're discussing what it's going to be to fill a VP vacancy. So that either means she's going to go away because they can't seriously with a 20 when, when she's polling lower than him, they can't put her in there. They can't do that. There's no way. Maybe Congress could impeach her uh, or him, either one, and have them removed or convince them to resign. Uh, that's that's the only way that I could see it happening because uh, well, he can't he can't fire her. No, because we're in identity. Replaced. No, we're in identity politics. That's well, no, the first. No, no, I know. I, I mean, I, not even not even just looking at like literally he can't fire her. He cannot fire the vice president. No, no like there has to be some kind of a congressional process to right. to right. evict that seat. So uh, how do we backfill? It, it, it would require. How, how do we backfill? Unless unless it's as simple Pelosi as this. would choose. Pelosi would choose. So it, depending on how it went down, if the president and vice president were removed, it would be Pelosi. Right. And then she would prove she would pick the president uh, or vice president. I guess she would be president for a while. For she the would, remainder of the she term. would have to tap a vice at that point. <laughs> yeah. OK. Or actually, who's fourth in line? They may end up becoming uh, the, the vice sec- secretary of secretary of state. OK. I think so. They would. Th- they they might become the vice. I don't. I don't know exactly. I thought it was Pelosi had the tap of vice, but it, it could it oh, could God. be the. Can you imagine Blinken? fourth? Ugh. Ugh. Uh, but let's say let's say they um, let's say they impeach Kamala. They could have Biden select someone else, and then impeach Biden and have him removed. using the twenty fifth, and then put someone else in there. Which it would probably. I mean, it would be the vice, and then they would pick who the, the next vice would be. That would be, I, I don't think the American people would be okay with something like that. I, I think there would be, um, the majority of Americans would understand removing the president for the 25th. Like he's not cognitively able to do his job. Sorry. Uh, because the, the, I need yeah. to make a correction. The fourth in line is not, so you have, okay, so the, the vice president would be the first in line. So if we're, if we're looking at it like that, second in line would be the speaker of the house. Of course, with the president in there, you'd add one to each one of those numbers. The fourth would be the uh, president pro tempore of the Senate. And then uh, you'd have the secretary of state, treasury, defense, attorney general, and secretary of the interior, secretary of agriculture. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine the ag secretary being that? Secretary of uh, commerce, Secretary of Labor, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, Transportation. Oh, Mayor Pete, my God, he'd actually get in there. But that's like 14th or 15th down the line. But that's the yeah. They would, they would, they would. Yeah, you'll end up getting a communist in there before you would get Pete. Well, why don't we just? Well, uh, we got the comptroller of the of the currency coming up. She's going to be going before the Senate here within the next uh, few days. So why don't we just why don't we just pull Biden and Harris and just put her in there? Yeah. Why, why don't we just? Do she'll that? get right through. Oh, yeah, she'll she'll, she'll get, get work right done. Through. She'll she'll get work yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, going back to the uh, uh, that Quinnipiac in general, how satisfied are you with the way things are going in the nation today uh, of the satisfied category? There is 25 percent of the dissatisfied category. There is 74 percent. Seventy four percent of the U.S. is dissatisfied. That is um, quite impressive that he's managed to do that. Trump didn't even have I don't even think he had a 74 percent dissatisfaction rating like that. He did amongst Democrats, not against everybody, not against everybody. I mean, even Democrats, even Democrats are, let's see, 47 percent disapproval or dissatisfied. Uh, Yeah, they only have a 50 percent satisfaction, 50 percent among Democrats. I mean, that is and among uh, independents. It's pretty much the same as. Oh, it's 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 funny. Even dissatisfied among more so than Republicans. Well, not more so than Republicans, more so than the average. But yeah, anyway. you could you could equate this to the people of Europe that are very dissatisfied with their governments, couldn't you? The entire establishment is tanking in popularity. Are you going to sit here and seriously tell me that these governments in the West are popular? Tell me a single person that you know, jabbed or unjabbed, I don't care. Tell me a single person that you know right now that is satisfied with what their government is doing. Tell me a single person that you know. I can't think of any. I know people that are double jabbed that are saying, the hell are these people doing? The public opinion of these people, I think you're, I mean, you're still going to have people that support them. Yeah, to the very end. I mean, that's just what it is. But those people don't count for anything in history. They never have. So just just write it off. But the polling 
of national governments in general, I think are in the single digits. I, I'm not buying this like 40% or uh, or 30% or whatever. I, I'm not buying that. I, I'm, I'm thinking they're in the single digits. I mean, we know how they play up numbers, right? We, I mean, we were talking about how they play up vaccination numbers and, and they're finally starting to let some of it slip and bleed through. But I think the government uh, approval ratings are in the single digits. I mean, Congress has been equally hated for how many years now in the U.S.? Before 2008, before 2008, before the financial crisis, Congress is polling at 8%. Yeah, but Congress is. I don't remember a time when Congress was uh, growing up seeing in a positive light. Mm-mm. I don't remember that ever being the case. Uh, and the presidency, there was ebbs and flows. Like there was like, it, it, you, you, you would have... At the beginning of Bush, after 9-11, it was kind of a high approval. And then when you started seeing some of the stuff he was doing, it went down and then it went way in the negatives uh, in in the circles I was in. And then when you had Obama, there was no approval uh, with Obama. I'm like, even I knew when Obama was running, I heard the first speech that or the first speech I heard of him. I was like, that dude's lying. Mm -hmm. And so I, I never approved of him there. And none of the circles I was in improved of him. So I, I don't remember any a time when like presidents were approved. Of course, then you had Clinton, you know, before that. So well, Clinton. The thing with Clinton was uh, not just the, uh, the the deals with uh, with China. I remember, I remember people talking about that back then. But uh, and that that's kind of what set us on this path. But the thing with Clinton was the taxes and the mm-hmm. Brady Bill. You know, the uh, the thing with the coming after yeah. people's guns that didn't go well. And then uh, of course after that you had Bush came in. And then, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but it was supposed to be Al Gore, uh, but, you know, that didn't happen. But then Bush came in. Of course, we had 9-11 and the rest was history. But the thing with Obama, I remember again. I, yeah, I, I remember when Obama was uh, was speaking. I mean, because the, the, it was all that media hype and everybody was uh, loving it. You know, it was, it was great, whatever. I, I really believe that they had a lot of those people fooled without a doubt. I mean, the crowds that they brought uh, for that guy. I mean, that was real. That was real. People were ready for a change under Obama, a real change, not this garbage that we were sold. We were ready for a real change. As Americans, we were ready for a real change, but we got sold a bill of goods. When this guy came in and I heard him talking, I'm like, that guy is, that's, that's not, no, what, what he's talking about. I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that at all. He was a slick salesman. That's all he was. Again, another product of the Soros system. Another product that was brought up in the system was trained by those institutions and was presented before the American people. Every single story that he told about his past was not true. Every single one of them. When Biden even said the whole thing about Obama, he's like, it's like a storybook, man. It's like a storybook because it was a storybook. It wasn't true. None of it was true. The thing about Obama was, is that his real father, not the one that they that they put out there, his real father, not the one he talked about from Kenya herding goats or whatever. His real father was Frank Marshall Davis. He was a communist pornographer. He was on the FBI's list of people to pick up if the Soviet Union was ever to attack the United States. He was number one on their pickup list was him. And if you read Obama's biography, he talks about how he used to spend weekends at Frank Marshall Davis's home. Take a look at the photo of who they say is Obama's father, and then look at Frank Marshall Davis, and then place that next to a photo of current day Obama. And you tell me which one is his father. You tell me. Now, I'm not going to play Maury here, <laughs> the, the TV guy that says uh, you are the father. I'm not going to play that. But if you're just going by looks alone, it's pretty telling. All right. We're going to jump out here a few minutes early. So uh, for those of you who are not signed up to our Telegram page, please do get over there and get signed up to us. We put out a lot of our content we do here every day. We also put out some extra stuff that you don't get to hear on our podcast. We put out a lot of video clips and, uh, and different news articles and things like that. So if you want to access that extra content, uh, please do get signed up to us over there. You can search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. We'll pop right up and you can click join. You'll be subscribed to us there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass us along to friends, family, known associates, because we are trying to grow and we don't do social media around here and we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass us along, we would greatly appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right. That will be all for today. Thanks for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.